0: You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. all heard what I teach, we could probably just pray and some of you might be ready to do that. Over, <laughs> But um, I mean, I, I really don't know what to say. I'm just overwhelmed by God's goodness. You know, we, um, Lindsay and I said yes to this uh, October, I'm sorry, October is when we started the house um, meetings in 2013 and it was March 2013 and we heard God say, hey, do this and uh i I'd, I'd made a deal with him in 2000, december 2006 and i'd got on my knees and i was a broken schizophrenic addicted mess and and um i told him i said you build me back up the way you want me to be and i'll, I'll do anything you want me to do i'll go any, anywhere you want me to go i'll say anything you want me to say uh but i know that this with the current state that i was in this can't possibly be what you have for me and um i flushed dreams away because of my choices and all those other things and and uh, some had asked me, why would you ever give up a career in, in uh, you know, professional sports or whatever it could have been for what you get to do now? And uh, I said, you know, sports would have been great and, and the money probably wouldn't have been too bad either. <laughs> but we get to be a part of God changing generational lines, you know, and the testimonies that you hear are all because of his grace and, uh, <laughs> and because you know, Lindsay was willing to say yes in this thing because if it wasn't for her, uh, I wouldn't even be the man that I am today, and so um, I'm going to miss you guys over the next eight weeks. It's really hard for me. I've never been gone longer than a week, Um, and as Sarah said, you know, I'm leaving on a... My goal was to go into sabbatical on a high note, and so just, you know, burning going in and and even more... uh, on fire coming out of it, honestly, more in love is the way I like to, to say it, my marriage thriving in an even greater place and all the things, you know, because that's that's what's important to us, um, but to be gone for eight weeks from what I do, because it's not a job to me, I love it, <laughs> so um, it's, it's going to be difficult, but I'll be praying for you all, and I really am convinced that while I'm, arra- uh, while I'm away that you guys should get ready for, for increase, brace yourselves, for increase of the love of the Father here. Um, increase in signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, increase in the presence of God, the tangible, experiential presence of God. It's going to increase. Um, it's not going to be put on hold. It's not going to stay the same, but God is... He only goes from glory to glory. Uh, the, it, there's only increase in the kingdom. There's never decrease. There's, he doesn't push pause um, because somebody steps away. Um, he actually does things that, that uh, you know... <laughs> he he moves in the ways that he wants to and all he needs is a yes from from people that's all he needs he doesn't need you to have the right education the right background the right the right family lineage he doesn't need to have any of that all he needs is your yes that's all that's all he, that's all I, I didn't have any of those things right I, I didn't have all all the i wasn't a fifth generation pastor i didn't have all that stuff I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't I didn't have much. I found out actually worked out really well for me. <laughs> I didn't have to unlearn some things that some people had to unlearn. Um, but he, he just says, just give me your yes, and I'll take the weak things of the world and confound the wise. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you sure are good. So it feels really good to be able to step into this place um, of sabbatical for eight weeks and knowing that you have... Uh, a team, uh, friends. Actually, is what we really are. We're really good friends. Uh, to to not just you know, it, and a lot of you got kids in the room. It, it would it's similar to when you when you when you birth a child. I don't, I'm not going to speak to that because I shouldn't. But uh, <laughs> men shouldn't speak about that. You know, <laughs> I'm going to make that mistake. But uh, have having you know a son. It's like leaving your kid with somebody to take care of your kid for, for several weeks, and though you you know the parenting styles may be different, but because you know how well they love people, you're like, actually, this is going to benefit my child a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> because they're going to get something that they couldn't get from me. And under Sarah's leadership and the team, uh, you're going to get some things that you couldn't you couldn't get through me because I just don't have them, and it's not made to be that way because we're the body of Christ. And when we come together, we each bring a peace. And when we all come together with our peace, you get a fuller picture. Yeah. And so that's why we've been having several pe- people teach now for years, so that you can get a fuller picture of the kingdom. Because if I if I taught every Sunday, it would do you a disservice. And that's the way that it's supposed to be in the kingdom. I never want to get addicted to one person's voice unless it's Jesus's. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have my favorite people that I like to listen to and I like to read, but I don't want to get addicted to anybody's voice but Jesus's and so it's uh'm I'm, I'm I want to really just I want to honor dads, and I really believe that the Father's going to bring some healing today in, in a short amount of time. I'm not going to keep you a long time. I want you to be able to get to Father's Day. I want you to be able to celebrate dads. I know some of you are uh, grieving the loss probably of, of fathers you don't have around any longer, right? Um, I understand that too, and so I, I just release peace on everybody that needs it right now, uh, that doesn't have a dad in the room or has lost their dad or didn't have, maybe you haven't had one your whole life. I believe that God's going to do some stuff in your heart today um, because fatherlessness is a really big problem across the planets, right? But the good news is, is that there's an awakening that is taking place all across the earth, and it's men, it's men waking up to who the Father created them to be. <laughs> and so, happy Father's Day to all of you dads. I just want to honor you uh, as I do my own father and the other men that have helped father me spiritually. I've got a few in, in my life, and um, Dave Nolan and David Wagner are two, um, two of them, uh, anyway, that have really helped uh, along with my own earthly father. And so, just bless you dads. Thank you so much for what you do, uh, what you carry, the things that nobody sees that you do. Um, to provide for your families. And you don't do it for recognition, you do it because that's what you're supposed to, right? Um, it's actually the one of the only places, it's the only place that I've found in the Bible that it says if you, if you don't provide for your family, you're as bad as an infidel, right? That's, that's somebody that's not even saved. It's the only place I've found that it says that. Uh, I probably would have added a couple extra things in there, but I'm glad that they didn't let me write it. <laughs> We'd be messed up. <laughs> I've got some opinions; they don't matter much, but I've definitely got some. And uh, <laughs> and so maybe I get somebody snuck a card in my Bible. I don't know who this is from, but it it got snuck in there. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me mention this before I go into this. We're taking a Pakistan trip in September 26 through October 3rd. There's four of us that are going. Me, Matt General, Joe Wilson and Aaron Jacobs are actually going. Uh, yeah. So pray for us, pray into that. Pray about sowing, giving financially into that. We're going to do a crusade that has the potential of having 60 to 70,000 people at it. Uh, in the heart of Pakistan, at the YMCA grounds, and quoting Donish, uh, Donish Peter, is, is that anything that happens on the YMC grounds, YMCA grounds in Karachi, uh, all, the whole nation hears about. The governor's house is right across the street. It's surrounded by political offices. And so it's really hard to get, get to do an event there, and we had immediate favor. And so, come on. Jesus is, is shaking Pakistan in a real good way and lots and lots of hearts are being transformed and changed. And his dream for Pakistan will come, will come to pass because he, he always gets what he wants. And so, so today I want, I want to talk to you about um, just your own personal, solidifying your own personal identity. And, you know, we were created to be sons and daughters of God. You know, Jesus didn't die for you because you're a sinner. He died for you because you were never created to be one. And just because we took on a nature that didn't belong to us doesn't mean that's what we were supposed to be. Just because I was formed uh, in my mother's womb and born into sin doesn't mean that the father desired that. Because what good father would actually desire for their kid to be born messed up, broken, and into a place of addiction and strongholds and all the things that hold us back in life? Like, good dads don't desire that for their children. If you don't know what a good dad looks like, I encourage you to look at Jesus. In the Gospels, Jesus is the one who models what the Father looks like. It says it in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it, it says in every translation that you read it in, something very similar to Jesus actually declared the Father to us. His life actually spoke to us and said, you need a representation of what the Father looks like, look to me. That's what Jesus said with his life. And then in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, one of my favorite places, it talks about how Jesus is actually the exact representation of the nature and character of who God is. If you look that up in the Greek, it says that he's the stamped out copy of the Father. I'm like, whoa, that's good, because I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus, I needed to i needed to be able to trust God. That's what they told me I needed to do, but I couldn't see Him. I'm like, how do I trust this God I can't see? And so then the Holy Spirit began to direct me through people and through revelation in the Bible, and He said, this is what you can do. You can look at Jesus, and Jesus is the exact representation of what I look like. And if you see it in Jesus, then you know it's a part of my nature and character. But if you don't see it in Jesus, then you have reason to question it. And I thought, okay, I can get with that. That'll work for me. I need to be able to see something because I came into the kingdom with a lot of trust issues. You ever had trust issues? Like everybody's been hurt, broken, right, lied to, uh, rejected in some form or fashion. Even if it wasn't intentional, people fail us because they're people, Right? People fail us, and, and it's not always intentional. Uh, a lot of times it's because there was this perpetual generational thing uh, of just cycles of, of people that did not know how to love properly, did not know what Jesus looked like, did not know Jesus, and didn't take the time to, to get to know Jesus. And if you haven't noticed, that there's not a lot of men in the church. I, I, I travel some you know, in see overseas, it's no different than it is in America. There'll be 75% of the congregation will be women anywhere that I've been. It's all over the place, right? In oppressive places where women are, are just getting a voice, they'll still be the ones that are holding the church together. And for some reason, there hasn't been, th- there hasn't been as many men that have stood up and have woke up, woken up to the fact that they are created by God to be an example of what the Father looks like. And I could go into why I think that is in the church, and it would just be an opinion because I don't have a full view of it. <clears throat> but a lot of men have just decided that it would be better for the wife or for, for the woman in the family to lead spiritually. <clears throat> and I, can I tell you that that's where dysfunction happens? is it's, it's out of order, not because the woman's leading, but because the man and the woman aren't leading side by side. And the good news is is that God is changing that. Is He's he's showing people that what real men look like are men that are surrendered to Jesus. Now, I have lots of ideas of what, what men look like or what men should look like growing up, right? A lot of macho ideas, and that's just kind of guy I, I was, and... And um, so I won't go into all my thoughts and opinions on that because I'll probably offend somebody. But um, that was just, I've realized since then that men look like a lot of different things, but ultimately, what they are to look like is sons. That I can't be a good father unless I know how to be a good son. And then when I try to be a father without knowing who I am as a son of God, what happens is I continue to create this perpetual cycle uh, of the things that have been done in the past and the hurts that have been done to me. And I continue to release the same belief systems that have been going on for generation after generation after generation because I don't know any better and I actually don't have the ability to do anything else. Because I tried to do it in my own strength and I wasn't created to do it in my own strength. I was created to do it by the grace of God. Because grace, one of my favorite definitions of it, because it's very broad and I can't sum it up for you in a few words, but one of my favorite definitions is that it is the divine enablement upon the heart of mankind. And what that means is it's a supernatural ability to be able to live out what God says we can. It's so good. And so what I'd like to bring your attention to is the life of King David. You're familiar with David and Goliath? If you've ever watched a sports movie, the analogy's probably been in there, right? It's a great analogy. You know, the underdog destroys the, uh, destroys the giant. You know, I always, I always root for the underdog in the NCAA tournaments. Anybody else like college basketball? It's one of my favorite tournaments of the year. It's just, I just, I love, I love sports, um, and so, if you haven't read it, it's in 1 Samuel uh, verse, or chapter 16 and 17. And you see in verse 16 that, that David, who uh, some would say was conceived in sin or was conceived out of wedlock because when the prophet came to anoint the new king, all the sons of Jesse were there except for David. See, his dad didn't even call for him. He was already counted out. And so then the prophet went down the line and there were all these young men that looked like they should be kings. Good looking, strong, built, tough, right? Looked like warriors because kings fought in those days. <sighs> there was, was only one kind of king you were getting and he better be able to wield a sword, right? That's the, that's the way it was. It's just, just the, it was just the culture. And so when the, when the prophet, he, the first one he came to, he said, this, hey, this looks like him. And God spoke to him, and he said, I don't look at the outward appearance like man does. I actually judge the heart. <laughs> I remember years ago being in here at a, I don't know if it was a Wednesday night or a worship night, one of the two, and I, I remember struggling for, for the first handful of years, uh, with the amount of people that would be here on any given any given day oh you know, and because in church culture that's kind of what you're judged by it's the first question that people ask you when they find out you're a pastor um, I don't know why they don't ask you what God's doing I don't know why they ask I not ask you about the miracles that are happening or what's God revealing to you right now or any of those really good questions they always ask you how how many people uh, I, I like this one the best how many people are in your flock That's my favorite one. You know, I wasn't raised in church. The first time somebody asked me that, I'm like, I don't, no, I don't tend sheep. I'm not. (laughs) Maybe you've mistaken me for a farmer. I don't, I don't, (laughs) I grew up in the country, but we didn't farm. (laughs) We did fish and run hills and hollers and, you know, sane minnows and (laughs) and shoot stuff, whatever. But uh, (laughs) I'm not even talking about live stuff. I'm just like, we just shot random things. You know what I mean? trees, and stumps, and whatever, he just, that's what we did, you know, I, I, I loved it, and, um, and so I, I struggled with that for so long, and I remember being in here, standing right back there where Owen is by the sound booth, and I asked God, I said, am I doing something wrong, like, am I doing something I'm not supposed to be doing, am I, uh, am I doing something, am I not doing something I am supposed to be doing, and he spoke very clearly to my heart, and he, he said, I don't judge success the same way you do. And so I'm listening. (laughs) Please tell me more. And he he said, are you being obedient? I said, yeah, I think so. And he said, well, that's success to me. See, success, according to American standards, there's something that, that try, they try to fit a man, they try to fit a woman into, and they say, if you look like this, if you make this amount of money, if you have this, if you wear this, if you drive this, then you're successful. And it infiltrates the church. And we begin to think like the world, right? But we're Christians. <laughs> and sometimes I just need to remind myself that I'm saved and who I am. <laughs> and it's okay that I think different. It's okay that I talk different as long as I continue to love them the way that they were created to be loved and not look at them differently, regardless of what they do or how they speak. So he said, you're, you're being successful because you're being obedient. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a, you know, that wasn't the only time he had to tell me that, but it was good news to me. <laughs> and, um, you know, when when the prof- prophet came to anoint those young men, that's what I imagine that he was, he was finding out, that God doesn't look at people the same way that we do. And so he asked Jesse, the father, he says, you got one more, where's your other son? You got another one? And he's like, yeah, he's out tending the sheep. And so he calls in David and he anoints him king. And it says in the Bible that the, the spirit of God came upon David and never left him. You know, David made mistakes in his life, if you've ever read about him, but the Spirit of God never left him. And can I tell you today, there's somebody I believe that needs to hear this, that just because you've made poor choices since you've been a Christian, just because there's things that attack you, just because there's weaknesses that you still have, uh, that you had before you were a Christian, it doesn't mean that it's coming from the inside of you, it means that it's coming for you. Because the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, you became clean inside here. You became sinless, you became righteous, and you became holy. And regardless what you feel like, that's the truth. And truth is to actually trump my experience. And so just because I have an experience doesn't make it the truth. And so that thing can't come from within me. It can only come for me from the exterior. And the devil would love for you to believe that that weakness that you had before Christ is the same weakness that you have now and that it's still a part of you. If he can convince you of that, he's won. Because when I believe a lie, I empower the liar. But the good news is is that truth revealed to me actually destroys lies. Conquers shame. Because shame tries to tell me that I am something bad. When I do something bad, shame tries to tell me that I am something bad. And the Father says, no, only I can define who you are. Only I am able to tell you who you are. You are not your choices. You are not your past. You are not your history. You are not what a sheet of paper says about you. I don't care what courthouse it is in or what file. They've got it in. It's not defined who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are dearly loved, fully accepted, and fully proved by the God of the universe. And there ain't anybody that can do anything about it, neither can you. (laughs) The Spirit of God came upon David, never left him. And from that moment, he didn't stop tending sheep, but he did begin to do something different he had never done before, and he began to actually be the armor-bearer of Saul. And Saul, King Saul, if you've ever read about him, he's a very wicked man. And Dave won't go into David's example of what honor looks like, and dealing with King Saul, it's one of the greatest examples of what honor looks like in all of the Bible. And I believe that David is a representation of Jesus for multiple reasons, one of them is, is that Jesus came through the Davidic line. <laughs> and so, King David actually operated out of ways in the Old Testament that were New Covenant principles. He pulled, them into, <laughs> he pulled them into a time that was inferior to the New Covenant, into a less inferior covenant. And he did that by faith. And so, King David becomes Saul's armor bearer because we need to, to actually learn from the people that are in our lives. It doesn't mean that we learn all good things, but we do learn from their mistakes and we learn from their successes. And so David surrendered to his king because it was the right thing to do. (laughs) Because when you come into a kingdom, you surrender to the king. Surrender your rights and everything. (laughs) And so King David did that. Even though he had been anointed king, he was waiting for the opportunity to be able to step into the place that God said he would. Can I tell you right now that some of you are in in preparation. You're in preparation for what's to come. Many people don't like preparation. I didn't like it. I was in it for years. You you know that God's called you to do something. You feel like you're supposed to be in this specific position or owning this business or doing this thing or in another country or whatever it is. And can I tell you that that whole time that you're thinking about the future, if you would stay present in the now, would actually help prepare you for that future moment. Because God uses everything, every relationship, every job, every person around you, every opportunity He will use to increase your character and increase you in knowing Him and your dependency upon Him. I, can I tell you that every single season is filled with opportunities to learn to trust Him more. That's what it's all about. If you're walking away from ministry for an eight-week sabbatical. It's all about trusting Him. Right? Whether you're having a child and in an unsure world, it's all about trusting Him. Whether you're putting yourself out there and starting your own business, it's all about trusting Him, right? On a daily basis, it's all about trust. The re- faith and trust are interchangeable words. We call them synonymous. Is <laughs> that If I have faith, it means I trust Him. It goes back to that trust issue. It's so important for me to be able to see the Father clearly, because when I do, I'll trust Him. I'll realize that He's trustworthy. Right? There were songs that we sung this morning that I could feel in the room. We were talking about, I trust you. I could feel it in the room. It's like, I don't know if I really trust you because I don't really don't know who you are. And people have set a bad example and pastors and leaders and authorita- authoritative figures that have been over some of your lives. And you're like, they hurt me. They lied to me. They left me. They rejected me. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. So how can I trust you, God? All right? And I sympathize with you, but I will tell you that any example that doesn't look like Jesus was not a correct representation of what the Father looks like. And just because man failed you doesn't mean that God can't be trusted. And I know that's hard. I know it is. I know from personal experience struggling. I know from personal experience crying in times with God and saying, I just want to trust you, but I can't. It hurts so bad still, right? I know what that's like. But he healed my heart, and he helped me to be able to trust him. Healed the wounds of all the horrible things. That some of you in the room could relate really well to. And so David's in a season of trusting him. He's trusting him under a wicked ruler, and he continues to honor him. And as he does this in chapter 17 of of First Samuel, he he gets an opportunity. He gets an opportunity to actually fight a giant that a whole army of Israel was terrified of. The, the giant just walked out and was talking trash and they were scared of him. That's how big this dude was. <laughs> These are trained warriors that were scared of another man because this man was also a trained warrior. He just happened to be a whole lot bigger than them. There wasn't anybody that had ever beat him. But you see, David had experience with God. <laughs> and he goes to give his brothers some some food that his dad had asked him to take to him. And, and he hears this big giant talking trash to the armies of Israel. And he says, who is this Philistine that's going to talk trash to, to God's people? <laughs> and he tells the king, he says, I'll go out and fight him. And the king laughs at him. <laughs> he laughs it off like there's no way. You're just a kid and he's been a trained warrior since birth. And then immediately what, what David does is he, he accesses his memory bank of what we call the goodness of God, or I like to say the testimony of the Lord. And sometimes our memory gets so clouded with the things that have happened that have been bad. And we've focused on them so long, it's the only memories we feel like we have. And we forget that God has spared our lives, has rescued us, how it could have been a lot worse And then I mistakenly misplace the testimonies of his mercy when I need to access them in a moment and remember that he is for me. And if he is for me, it's all I need. And David, memory isn't clouded at all, remembers the times when he was out protecting those sheep. And he said, hey, king, let me tell you about some experiences I've had There was a a bear and a lion, and when they would come for the sheep, I would make them run, and if they didn't, I would kill them, and the same God that delivered me from that lion and that bear is going to be the same God that delivers me from this giant, and King Saul, I want to turn your attention as I get ready to wrap up to one very important thing. King Saul does something that a lot of people do to us with good, well-meaning intentions, as King Saul tries to fit David with his armor. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 38 it says, So Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. Even at that time Saul was a much bigger dude than him. It's like trying to wear somebody else's shoes that are too big for you. Not going to happen, right? feels silly. And Saul, thinking that David needed this in his life, not solidifying him in his identity and empowering him and encouraging him and who he was created to be, he tried to make him like him. One of the most profound things that somebody said up here to me was that you always pushed me towards Jesus. That's what my whole life I want it to be. If I pull, pull you towards me, I'll fail you. But if I push you towards Jesus, I believe that you'll succeed every time. Because in Him, you'll find your identity. And in that, you'll find your security. And in that, you'll find your sense of belonging. And when you find that, you'll realize that you're not an orphan. You know that they say, please bear with me, ladies that children that are raised in homes without a father even if they have a mother they still end up with orphan mentality poor on drugs teen pregnancies lots of other things that happen right in prison because they don't because there's something that only a mother can provide and there's something that only a father can provide I got good news for you, though. If you don't have a dad or didn't have one or you had a messed up one, the father can actually make up for that. And he's got a beautiful way of bringing men into your life that will actually may also be a replacement and begin to speak into you and tell you how amazing you are and help solidify you in your identity. But what happens when we don't have fathers is where orphan mentality comes from. It's not, it doesn't matter if you have a house. If you've got a mansion and you've got all the stuff in the world, you can be in that house with all that stuff and still end up with orphan mentality. Because orphans weren't provided for, protected, or encouraged or empowered in who they are by, by their fathers, by their earthly fathers. And that's how it happens. And no amount of stuff can replace that. But the words of the father can in a moment. And so Saul unintentionally tries to get David to do something he wasn't made for. And David does this. He takes off the armor. In verse 40, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had, and in his sling, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. There's only one way you face a giant with a rock. You are very confident in your God and in who you are. <laughs> And let me not fail to mention your ability to be able to sling that stone with that slingshot. (laughs) You've practiced, right? But David's main confidence wasn't in his ability, but in his God who had protected him before. Sometimes when we don't have that, we don't feel sure of who we are. I feel like today that the Father is going to actually bring some healing to fatherlessness in the room. People that are watching online. There's going to be healing that comes to fatherlessness. Can I tell you, I'm not making excuses for your dad. Some just didn't know how to do it. Some didn't. Some of you know that some of, some of your fathers grew up during the Great Depression. Some of your grandfathers grew up during the Great Depression and then fathered your father out of that place. Which was a messed up time to be alive. Unaffectionate unloving, probably didn't say they loved you, probably didn't smile much, but because they provided a house and stuff for you, they thought, I'm doing my job. Right? Which is a beautiful thing. But they didn't know how to articulate and reassure you in that you're loved, you're accepted, and you're approved. And that comes in a lot more than just giving you stuff. Alright, I've done. Raised the son. He's just turned 21 yesterday. Was it yesterday? It was the day before. <laughs> it was the 17th. <clears throat> I know what it's like to not do those things for your kid. Because I didn't know how. Thankfully, that the father stepped in before it was too late. All right? I actually believe as long as you're breathing, it's never too late. Whether you're 15, 25, 50, 80... The Father can heal your heart from fatherlessness and actually change your family line in a moment. Because because check this out. Though David had faults in his life. When he realized, this is what I see in, in in this short passage right here from verse 38 through 40 is that in this moment when Saul tried to put his armor on him, David actually woke up to who he was created to be. And when he woke up to who he was created to be, the the Bible will prove to you that he never lost a battle. Eight to nine major battles and close to 66 actual battles, and David never lost one. (laughs) And I believe it has everything to do with, with knowing who his God is and knowing who he was in him. So I want you to stand to your feet. Let me encourage you. If anybody's ever told you that you're just human and you'll lose battles, I'd point you to David and tell you that just because you have doesn't mean you have to continue to. But if you do lose... Know that there's grace and mercy there to empower you. And I can guarantee you one thing that the Father will always do for you is that He will always pull you closer to Him in every situation. That's how you know it's Him when He speaks. He's pulling you close to Him. He's not pushing you away. Even when He corrects you, He's going to pull you in close to Him. Romans 2.4 says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. I've messed up before, and he showed me that he was good in the midst of it. I'm like, why in the world would you do that? He said, It's who I am. I'm good. I can't do anything else. <laughs> you know what it did? It changed my mind. It changed my mind about him. And when I changed, when my mind was transformed about him, it got transformed about me. Because when I see him clearly, this is why this is so important. If I don't see him clearly, I won't see me clearly. But if I do see him clearly, I will see who I am in his eyes. Those are the two most important revelations you'll ever get outside of knowing what Jesus did for you. I feel confident in saying that. Knowing what Jesus did, obviously vitally important. But even in that, I see who the Father is because he sent Jesus for you. It means he's good, period. His goodness is not defined by what he does for me or what happens in my life or if he answers my prayers or not his goodness is defined by him sending Jesus that's what, I, that's what I I've decided that in my life and that way I don't go from day to day getting messed up on whether things happen blessing comes or any of these other things take place exteriorly you can't mess up who God is to me you can't because I've chosen now for years to look at Jesus and say you're good because you sent him to take my place and I didn't want anything to do with God. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with Him. I thought if He existed, He dealt me a real raw hand. <laughs> I, felt, I found out I'm just surrounded by brokenness. It wasn't anything God wanted for me. <clears throat> just broken people, not knowing God. can't expect people that don't know God to act like they do, right? <clears throat> So I found out that he had a, he loved me in ways I didn't know I could be loved. Right now, I just feel like the love of the Father is coming into the room to heal every broken spot, every place of fatherlessness, every bit of abandonment, every bit of rejection, every place that your dad should have showed up for you and he didn't. Every place that he should have been there, but he wasn't. Maybe he was in the house, but he was absent. Maybe you couldn't get his attention. Maybe he couldn't give it to you. Maybe he didn't know how. I know there's lots of excuses. Whatever they are, I feel like they're all going to be healed under the weights of his love. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you for each one of us that need that right now. If you need that, just tell him in your own way, in your mind. And just all you need to do, I feel like you may not even need to do this. I just felt like you just can say I receive. I receive your love right now. I'll let you love me in this moment. So we just, we're going to step past our fears, Father. We're going to step past the places that mistrust have been sown. and, And for some of us in the room and watching, I know it's It's not easy to say, I'll let you love me in this moment. But I can tell you that if you do allow it to happen, it will be well worth it. So we step past all that right now, Father, and we just surrender to your love. For some of us, we're just going to do it afraid. (laughs) We're going to trust you in this moment to love us, even if we're scared. So I thank you, Father, for bringing healing into hearts in this room right now. Thank you for bringing healing to every person that needs it, every bit of rejection, every bit of abandonment, every word that was spoken that was outside of your identity, everything that people tried to place on you that you weren't made for, that was just a good thing to them, but it wasn't what you were made for. Thank you for those things being broken off right now. In Jesus' name, I release the love of the Father into the trauma center of your body. In the name of Jesus, and break every single one of those lies off of you the power of them, the record that continues to play in your mind that you're a failure, that you won't amount to anything. I just break the power of those lies and pray the love of the Father and the truth of who you are as a dearly loved son, dearly loved daughter, accepted by the Father, not based on your own merits, but because He loves you and His mind will never change about you, that that record's going to stop today that those things that are going on in your subconscious are going to be silenced and filled with the truth of what He says about you. That you are, as it says in Colossians 2.10, you are complete in Him. Some of you have been looking to be made complete, made whole in so many other ways. And can I tell you today, the only place you will ever find it is in Jesus. It's in the arms of the Father. If you will let him love you, it will not disappoint. If you will let him love you, it will be everything that you've been looking for. Everything that you've been longing for. Everything that you wish you had, you can find in him. You can't fill that hole with anything else I tried. I tried so many things. Everything left me empty and wanting more when I fell into the arms of my loving father and I let him love me in a moment it changed me for a lifetime so I thank you father for loving us in this moment <laughs> I hear Sarah playing that song will you just sing will you just sing that Sarah yeah I just feel like as Sarah sings this over you it's going to just solidify the things the father's doing i is Holy Spirit, we thank you for revealing to us who the Father is, not just in this moment, but continually. That you would point us to Scripture that would solidify the truth of who we are. That we would see, like never before, that our senses would be heightened, our awareness heightened to the truth of who you say we are, of what you say about us, and every other voice would be drowned out by yours. And that this would be a new theme in our lives of allowing you to love us on a daily basis. Knowing it's the most important thing that we could ever do. Because it enables us to be able to love us. Which enabled us to be able to love everybody else. Thanks for making it that way. So I thank you for people even waking up and being able to look in the mirror. After allowing you to love them and looking at themselves and saying I love you. I know it's difficult for some of you and I understand the feeling but the father's changing all that he's changing it because you he didn't die for you because he felt sorry for you he died for you because he wanted to take take your place because he loves you that much and he wanted you and he still does and always will to be everything He always dreams you would be from the foundation of the world. He's been thinking about that. says it in Ephesians 1. He chose you in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy without blame, accepted in the Beloved. You were accepted before, <laughs> before the world was even here. Sometimes it's just coming to terms with that, that He accepts you fully, and you can't mess it up. And so, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word changing our minds, causing us to see differently, and bringing us into everything that we already are in you. Thank you for waking us up, all of us, not just men, but waking all of us up to who we are as sons and daughters. Yeah, thank you. The prayer team's going to come, and Joe had an idea before he knew what I felt like God wanted to do today, and for everybody that needs it, you guys want to go ahead and come, prayer team? I have a feeling it's going to be a prayer team of men, and the reason for that is, is because anybody that needs a Father's blessing, I want you to come up and get that from these men. And if you don't know what that is, let me just explain it to you in 60 seconds or less. Essentially what it is is not taking the place of your father, but it's standing in for them and doing something maybe they weren't capable of or maybe they're not here to do. And what these men are going to do is they're going to tell you. They're going to they're speak words to you that every person needed to hear from their own earthly father. They believe in you, that they believe in what you're you're dreaming for, that you can do anything that you were created for, that you can run wild and free in everything that the Father has for you, things like that. And can I tell you from personal experience, from receiving it and giving to others, that it's life-altering in a moment. So if you need that, go ahead and, and start coming up. If you need prayer for something else, they'd be glad to pray for you for that too. If not, you got places to go and people to see. We thank you for spending part of your Father's Day with us. We're incredibly grateful. We really are. I'm grateful again for you dads. If it wasn't for dads in my life, I wouldn't be the man that I am. So thank you for what you're doing. We bless you guys. I pray that truth just continue to empower you as this coming week goes on and that you would just encounter him over and over and over again until it's just a daily thing that you expect, if it's not already. In Jesus' name, love you guys.